welcome to a most excellent 80s movie podcast on the most excellent podcast network it's the podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian make their way through both the outback of the 80s movies we love and the bustling new york city of the things that make them problematic in our quest to examine the movies of the decade we love best this is episode 11 crocodile dundee a movie selection from 1986 raised in the land down under where a man thinks on his feet speaks with his fists and lives by his wits a legendary figure about to encounter a world more treacherous than any he has ever known. G'day. Big Dundee from Australia. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Just going down for a couple of days. Probably see you around. Hi. This your first trip to New York? First trip anywhere. Well, we might just have to give you one for free. <laughs> yeah. On what? How are you finding New York? Need a balloon to take us along. That's why I love it, because I fit right in. G'day. Hello. Sorry. G'day. Look. If you can manage, Walt, I'd like to stay a while. Wouldn't have anything to do with a certain lady writer. Paramount Pictures presents... Your pal, Senor Nick. Paul Hogan. Uh, hey, my man, what's that? Uh, wait. As Crocodile Dundee. You got a knife, buddy? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And your wallet. He's got a knife. <laughs> a knife? so much screaming in the trailer who knew this movie taught me so much when i was young (laughs) i can't wait to hear what it taught you it taught me about australians (laughs) okay It, (laughs) it taught me about bidets yeah, that's... I, I had never seen it. I, it. I mean, and then it took... A, so I must have seen this when I was like 11 or something. Mm-hmm. And then I still didn't know what a bidet was. Like, the movie didn't really spell it out. For, no, when he for, stuck his head out the window and said, no. for washing your bum, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> With you know? windows that open in a New York City hotel sky yeah. rise. So there were two things that that confused both uh, young Nathan Blackwell and, and Mick Dundee. Which were the prostitutes. It's like, oh, I don't know. what This seemed nice. I don't know what they're inferring. Mm-hmm. And then bidets. Why is that guy always hanging around them? <laughs> right. He's really a jerk. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And then, of course, like cocaine and giant knives. Yeah. I That was one. I, the cocaine, I did not get that even until uh, yeah, I was I, Again, when you're young, that's like, 
you know they're doing something, but you're not really in on the reference. Right. Like know? what he has done to dump it into the pot of boiling yeah, water. You is can not sense correct. like I sensed that the pimp with the, the hookers was mm-hmm. a bad guy and he was in charge of them and you sense like the social dynamic. Mm-hmm. Not to jump straight to the meat, but Jump uh, straight to the meat. But yes. Hi, I'm Nathan Blackwell. I'm the filmmaker of Squishy Studios. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chrissy Lenz. I'm the comedian of National Comedy Theater. Um, oh, and you are in for a treat. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I, knew, I saw this movie quite a bit as a kid. This was a Stewart family household staple. Yeah, me too. Much beloved. Yes. Yeah, once you get it on VHS, you can watch it a hundred times. And boy, we did. Boy, howdy. Yes. Um, but it's always interesting with some of these staples, like... Where it you you you've seen it so many times, you recognize all the sound effects, all the jokes and the moments. But maybe it's been like fifteen years since you've seen it again, so it's all like sense memory. But at the same time, it's like, ooh, that doesn't work. It's like, oh, that's that that part still holds up. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff I think that holds up. A lot of stuff that really doesn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, like watching it as a kid, you can really see that just the fun, the fun of this movie. And uh, I'm interested to know which which fish out of water story you like better. Oh, yeah. Her the, in the Outback or him in the big city. Her in the Outback. Me too. Yeah. That, Hands th- her in the Outback, like the first third of the movie, that's mm-hmm. 100% my favorite part. Mine too. And it's, it, it's, it's definitely fun mm-hmm. when it's reversed. But he's even though he's so this is this to me was like the definition of a fish out of water uh, story. This was kind of like the the fish out of water archetype mold. You know, I, I kind of feel like it's you know, a double fish out of water. Yeah, it's two fishes out of both their water. <laughs> two waters for just one admission. Um, you know, it's interesting. One thing I never picked up on is that they mentioned Tarzan twice. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a Tarzan story. You're taking the the dude out of the jungle and put him into the city. And it's kind of like a, a reimagining of Tarzan in a, in a strange way. No, that's an interesting take. Um, it, this was a huge movie. It was the second highest grossing movie of 1986. Which is, that's huge. It yeah. is huge. I think, I think Top Gun <laughs> was number one. I'm not 100% on that. Right. But like, I mean, this movie was huge. Yeah, this, this, this... Introduce everyone to bidets and Australian <laughs> and the wisdom of Australians and hypnotizing animals and Fosters. Yeah, and sold that sold a lot of Fosters and giant knives. Such a big knife. Yeah, such a big knife. And that was actually a part I had forgotten, so I was pleasantly surprised when it was like, "That's no a knife. That's a knife." And I immediately uh, you just went to. Spoony before. That's immediately what I went <laughs> <Right>. to. <laughs> Oh God! Okay. All right. So we're just gonna we're gonna walk through this we're thing. We're just jumping right in. Okay. On the logical. So we meet Sue. She's our. We see her in. She, oh, I guess and, she's and in then Australia? also like Australian stuff like G'day and Sheila and Might. You mm-hmm. know, like all that stuff. Like oh wow, it's like it's like the English. They've got their own language, yeah. but I can understand it. It's like, <laughs> and we can still do the accent without having to worry like yeah. we did in Three Amigos. <laughs> yeah, I honestly did not have much of a perception. When you're young, you, it's like, what do you think of Canada? I don't. You know, <laughs> there's, there's so many countries out there, and when you're young, they're just not on your radar unless they pop up in pop culture, and this was kind of the introduction to Australia. 
as a cool, fun place right. where maybe you might get eaten by a crocodile. Yeah, it looks like Arizona, but with less shade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I guess we could get into it that way. We know from deserts. Uh, I love the moment where she shows up and, like, you forget about Wally. And Wally's sort of Mick Dundee's hype man. Yeah, like his business partner. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely the sort of shady character. So he meets Sue, who's decided to pursue this story. When we first meet Sue, though, she's wearing this shirt that has, like, typewriters on it. I want to talk a lot about what Sue wears. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because then when she shows up in the safari, she is wearing a power suit. Yeah. All shoulders. She's a New Yorker. Paper bag waist. I love it. And uh, Wally is wearing, like, a male romper, like a rompim, like a safari one. But she's also got, like, a headscarf and the sunglasses and the whole nine. And it's it's a really exciting. You see the beauty of the outback and the fantastic clothes. Um, and then, so she's going to pay for his story if he, she's heard about him. He's survived a crocodile attack. Mm-hmm. So she's going to pay to... For him to guide her through sort of his yeah, story of she how he survived. to follow up this human interest story for the daily, what was it, the Newsday? Newsday. Newsday. Which is a newspaper. <clears throat> um, and so the first thing we see is Walkabout Creek mm-hmm. and the pub at Walkabout Creek and the colorful characters who exist there. Yeah. That, so, okay. So that, that felt like the most authentic collection of Australians I've never, I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> You got the lady who runs the bar. Uh-huh. They were all dunk. like tan and mm-hmm. sweaty and it that and sleeveless. Yeah. Vested, lots of vests. Yeah. Lots of natural earth earth tones. It was great. You definitely kind of felt like they just let the camera roll and gave them a lot of elbow room to mm-hmm. kind of be their character. Mick comes into the story knife first. He just throws a knife through the door of the pub. Into the, I mean, she can't appreciate that. And then he comes in wrestling his stuffed crocodile. Like, does he do that every night? Or is he just doing that because Sue's here? It's a Wednesday thing. <laughs> and then as soon as he meets Sue, the okay, so here's the first thing where you're like watching it now. Ew. <laughs> Ew. He like looks her up and down in the most gross way. And then grabs her and forces her to dance with him. Yeah. I didn't like that. See, in real life, guys will still do that, but they'll try not to let people see them. But not the grabby part. The grabbing and forcing her to dance? Yeah. Yeah. And he is sort of like getting to know her as he forces her to awkwardly dance around this pub. And then, so there's a group of guys there who I guess don't know Mick. Right. Who are just kind of cruising through the town. Mm Mm-hmm. They called them, like, you know, city cowboys. They did, because later they show up hunting kangaroos. Yeah. Just shooting them for sport. And they're talking shit about Mick, I guess, because he's forcibly dancing himself on, like, a pretty new girl. They call him a poacher. Mm -hmm. And he punches the guy. So that's an interesting thing that this story does, is it puts us in a lot of doubt of the credibility of Mick Dundee. There's... it, It... for a while, there's a mystery of whether or not he is a poacher, mm-hmm. you know, because it's illegal to shoot crocodiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of seed the, the, you know, they seed the doubt for a lot of the beginning of the movie until she and us kind of both trust him at the same time, you know. But it, it's interesting. It's like, I feel like 
there's a lot more like character complexity in the mm-hmm. first third of the movie than there is in the two thirds when he's eventually in New York and it becomes very kind of sticky, you know, yeah. very kind of like, you know, one gag after another. Because you do have that doubt about yeah. him because Wally is really hyping it up mm-hmm. and, and overselling the story. Uh, and he, it, like later when those same guys show up and they're uh, hunting the kangaroo, he doesn't want to help. Yeah. He's like, what? It's like, so? What did, yeah. They're doing their thing. It's fine. It's just, let's not get shot. Yeah. And she's like, do something. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> okay, fine. Right. You know? He, and that's cool. I, I like it when you have morally complex characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, she eventually gets him to do something about it, but it's kind of nice to have these real humans, you know, who seem like actual adults. Mm-hmm. you know in these stories and there you know there is some complexity to them um yeah she, she asked him at one point what do you think about the arms race what are your thoughts on all these big world issues mm-hmm. and he's like look around you no who's who she says you have to have a voice and he's like who's gonna hear my voice out here yeah which is sort of true but then I, I do feel like he listens to her and he's like you're right you know a man should have an opinion a man should learn about the world i think you're right about that he so he kind of changes a bit i think mm-hmm. And he, I guess he starts out as a guy who's really just, like, about his own thing. He, he tells a little bit of his story that he had a wife, and then he wandered away from her for 18 months, and she didn't stick yeah. around. But she was a good cook, so. He's like a man, you know, like in the Old West. He's like Jeremiah Johnson or something, mm-hmm. just in the middle of the forest, living his life the way he wants. and Doesn't know what day it is. Doesn't no. know what you, when he was born or how Never old he is. Never been to a city. Yep. He was raised by the local Aborigine tribe and just, like, is going to do what he's going to do, you know? And I guess there's a certain, something sort of romantic about that. Yeah, he's a man of the moment, you know, of the present. Yeah. I did like that there are two moments in the pub that I thought were interesting. One, like, the guy's talking shit and he's kind of ignoring it at first. And then he calls the guy shit for brains and everything stops. It's like, screech! Oh, now we got to do something. He called you shit for brains. <laughs> Um, and then there's a moment where Donk, this huge man, um, challenges people to punch him in the stomach and see if he'll falter the beer on top of his head. Mm-hmm. And Mick's like showing off and he's like, all over go, Donk. And instead of punching him in the stomach, kisses him on the lips and mm-hmm. then they have to have a brawl. Yeah. Because that's gross, you guys. Ew. Ew. Um, but he, ha- he hypnotizes the buffalo. They go out into the outback to... Mm-hmm relive his right. survival. So, so the, what what we find out, the the story that they keep telling is, oh, the, the crocodile ate off his leg and mm-hmm. he had to crawl 100 miles. Um, and then what we learn, obviously, is that, you know, that was exaggerated. But he did get chomped down on the leg and he had to drag himself for, for miles and miles. Like a week or something like that? What was it, days? He had to yeah. drag himself through yeah, the, the I bush? I think so. And he survived. Um, by by killing literally every creature. He kills so many creatures while they're in the outback. He kills a snake. He kills an iguana. He's just killing things left and right. And I guess he's eating some of them, so maybe that's okay. But, yeah, uh, yeah he kills a lot of things. And he hypnotizes that. He's on an all-protein that- diet. <laughs> he hypnotizes that buffalo. And so- he really did not eat like, a lot of vegetables in, the road. in this movie, did he? The buffalo's in the road now. You still can't he drive around. He didn't kill the buffalo. <laughs> no, he just put it to sleep. Yeah. Um, 
but he's very sort of um you know obviously very sexist towards her while they're in the bush she's trying to assert herself you know as a modern new york newspaper lady uh you can't see me but i'm being very sassy uh and sassy gestures (laughs) she is trying to sort of prove to him that she can keep up with him she can walk through the bush even though she's a sheila at one point she takes the gun and she's gonna go meet him at the top of a ridge or something he's like following her and like really creepily watching her i did not love that (laughs) And she sort of strips yeah. down and, and gets attacked. Yeah. And he has to rescue her. Yeah. So what's the lesson there? Are we supposed to have learned that she does need him? Let's move on. Let's All right. On. <laughs> um, but there is a moment, too, where then she follows him and spies on him as he, like, gets to hang out with his aborigines. They don't let women be around. I really love that character. Mm-hmm. Do you remember his name? I don't remember. Oh, his yeah, name. yeah, yeah. Yeah, there. He like comes upon them in the bush, and he's like, "Hey, the, Mick." Yeah, they they play up the you know the um the joke against type of like mm-hmm. the wise mystical native, you know, and you know he's, just because he's an Aboriginal doesn't mean he's a master tracker and that he isn't modern. Yeah, he has a watch. Yeah, and, uh, and jeans and, and jeans, and she's like, "Oh, I'm going to take your picture." He says, "You can't. Oh, are you afraid it'll steal your soul?" And she's like, "He's like, no, the lens cap is on." So, yeah, and then and that's a great way to subvert that, you know. I think so. My favorite moment of that whole exchange, though, is like he just wanders away in the absolute pitch black darkness, and she's like, How does he find his way? Oh, some people say that they're telepathic, and then you just hear him go, Smack! Ah, fuck! I hate the bush! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's I love, I thought yeah. that those moments to me are still fun. Yeah, they, the one, one of the things I miss, and maybe I'm just being over nostalgic, but like in the 80s. They 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 had movies like this and like Conan the Barbarian and <laughs> where like the little you you gave a lot of like credibility and and uh, re- to these little characters mm-hmm. you know not everyone had to be kind of jammed into what the plot demanded right and then she you know they do share like a little kiss and you're like you've got a boyfriend Sue maybe chill out uh, and then she invites him back to New York with her. And I did think the moment where he's figuring out the escalator was was also just a fun bit. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't understand how there this are a lot of fun. It definitely works. Gets, yeah. So so once he gets to New York, mm-hmm. he decides to to visit go to go to New York with her. Um, it does get very bit oriented. It, yes, it does. the The tone of the movie changes a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it goes to kind of dramatic with comedy mm-hmm. and like character discovery to kind of like. A series of of bits, but to be honest, like a lot of them are really good too. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of classic ones in there. Mm-hmm. I do love him walking around the city, just being so friendly and thinking that all of these people are going to. And he says like seven million people who all want to live this close to each other. God, you guys must just be the friendliest people on earth. Uh huh. And then as he goes around, he's just like, "Good day, I'm McDundie. I'm from Australia. We're going to be friends. I'll catch you later at the bar." Like <laughs> he's immediately around. best friends with everyone he knows, and I like that as like everybody he meets, he's on a first name basis with that person mm-hmm. and knows a little bit about them. And and makes friends. I love a movie where the cast of characters that you meet along the ways are sort of there to have your back. Like Carl Winslow, who's the limo driver. Yeah. What's that actor's name? Um, Do I have to look it up? From I Die Hard. Yeah. 
He he uh, pops up in so many wonderful 80s movies. Oh yeah. He's just always there for us. And I and I know his name and I'm really going to kick myself. Reginald Bell Johnson. Yes. Uh he he they make friends and then like he later rescues him from the pimp mm-hmm. who we'll get to at some point. But I just I love him as the he him as a fish out of water is just to be like, "You guys. <laughs> this is so great." Mm-hmm. He does smoke in an elevator. Yeah, that's weird. That is weird. And then he's walking around with this cigarette, and there's literally ashtrays everywhere, but he ashes in his hat. <laughs> and that's fun. I, and, you know, in, in his hotel room, he sleeps oh, yeah. on the floor. He hangs his clothes on a line. There's a great bit where he turns on the TV. He's like, oh, oh, yeah. I saw a TV once. He turns it on, and he's like, yep, that's what I saw. And turns it yeah, it was I Love Lucy. It's like, yep. It's so thoroughly unimpressed. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw one of these a couple of years ago. So what do you think of the part where he meets Richard, who yeah. who is the editor of the newspaper that Sue works at and also her boyfriend? Right. And he's immediately yeah, he, a total dick. Yeah, he's like three drinks to the wind. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's defensive. He's kind of acting like a prick. Oh, and he's like, oh, there's no uh, poached kangaroo on the menu at this fancy italian place why don't i order for everybody wait why don't you order for everybody and mick punches him in the face yeah which is what we wanted mick to do yeah but isn't that sort of like in in a real encapsulation of like two different shades of toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. you know we talked a lot about in these 80s movies of like that yuppie ideal which mick has no idea he's supposed to want yeah you know, and and Richard sort of this represents that. This is his first that. encounter of it. Yeah, he has no idea that he's supposed to want the fancy suit, the limousine, how impressive and important all these things are. Um, he's the he's like a man of cutting up and eating his own outback mm-hmm. dinner. You know, right. so it's like two sort Lives of lane, toxic yeah. masculinities colliding, where it's like the one guy's like, "I'm going to really talk down to you and show you how fancy I am." And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're doing. I'm going to punch you in the face. What do you think about that as, yeah. a, as a dude? As a, as a toxic dude? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think – so I feel like this story – so there's not really a lot, lot of plot in this movie. There's it's, not like – It's episode. You go from yeah, thing to thing. Kind of like not, vacation. Right. There's not really a – in a lot of movies, you, you've got, like, the thin structure of a plot. Oh, eventually we've got to graduate university or we've got to Save launch Save Santa Poco. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in this one, it honestly, the movie is a love story. Mm-hmm. It's actually a, 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 a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is her and him kind of coming together like him dropping some of the behaviors you know it's like him realizing you know um what behaviors work and don't work in this new world in his relationship with her um and one of them is punching people out but i think the movie i think the movie um wanted us to want him to punch i mean i did want to punch him out Mm -hmm. too but um i wouldn't know um, I like the way he pulled it off. Like, yeah. she's like, what's that? Poop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he just can't handle his drink. Yeah. And then later in the car, she's like, he says you hit him. <laughs> what? Who means? What? what? 
Yeah, they 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 slowly kind of converge in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if the I don't I don't know if the movie really makes a judgment on too much of his stuff, other than he needs to treat her with more respect and, and than he does. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's maybe his journey because I don't think he really changes that much, right? I think so. Um, but I do like all of the moments where she's like, you're in my town now. I am I know how to tip this driver. I know how to get around these mm-hmm. waiters. I know how to get you to where you need to go. Like, this is maybe... It's a complex social system. And yeah. I know how to navigate it, and I'll show you how. She is the, she is the, newer, the new guide in this jungle. Mm-hmm. But she sort of does leave him alone to his own devices like you would not <laughs> leave a toddler alone in those situations. Yeah, like, she, she, he, goes, he goes out that night to the boozer. Mm-hmm. With his new best friend, the cab driver, um, and meets people in a pub, which I did like that. He, he There's that what it is moment where he's talking to the jive turkey guy and mm-hmm. they do the handshake and um, he's like, the guy says something cool and New Yorkery to him and he says, Fl- yeah, flat out like a lizard drinking. And they're all just like, what? What? <laughs> what? And then we're sort of saying the same thing. And then we get maybe the most problematic moment. Mm-hmm. 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 Where Mick is chatting up a lady at the bar, Gwendolyn, and Cabby is trying to explain to him that this isn't a lady. This is a, a trans person, which at that time would have been referred to as a transvestite. And... Mm-hmm. He grabs her by the junk, <laughs> humiliates her, yeah. sc- starts screaming, that's a that's a bloke, and everybody claps and cheers, and he's like, you, you guys, you all knew, and they're laughing and cheering. Yeah. So, I, so I think, like, with a lot of that stuff, we kind of have to say, not excuse it, but say, okay, well, this is 1986. Mm-hmm. That is where we were at in terms of dealing with this sort of thing. And I'm sure the writers at the time or Paul Hogan was just like, oh, here's something that he could encounter that he would have no frame of reference for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and people would all laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't this so funny? Right. And we look back at it now like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> no. That's not in any way okay. Right. You know? Um, and then later he meets a very masculine woman. And with a deep voice grabs her by the chunk <laughs> and he and then so what he says is like i was just checking and that's played for a joke and i get it in this context it is a joke but it's also like you're entitled mcdundee to touch everyone's junk just to make sure that that they are the gender you assume right. they are let's maybe not he trumps her <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're right oh he does all right so look that's a problem and i do think you know when you look back at stories that were told in the time that they were told with the language that they knew and the things that they thought then, you just have to look at it and see it for what it is and say, okay, well, that's not okay now. Can we talk about why it was okay then? Or maybe not okay, but why it existed in that form then and look at everything that has changed between then and now. I mean, things are by no means perfect. Uh, but, you know, we have come such a long way that you can look at that and go, oh, shit. Yeah. That's maybe let's cut that part out of the movie. 
but you, but then again, it's the conversation of do you cut it out or do you just say that's that's where this guy would have been, mm-hmm. and now would he be different? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything you want to say on that score. No, I I think you said it all. Um, it's definitely one of those those I guess relics of the time, like the use of the the f word that yeah. they use. Which they say in Bill and Ted so much, and that's like my least favorite part about going back to that story is like, ooh, we don't use that word anymore. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the three-letter the three letter F word. The three-letter yeah. F word. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the most uncomfortable part. Um, Moving on. Then he meets hookers, and that's hilarious. Right. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel um, compared to some of these 80s movies, mm-hmm. it's held up pretty well. That's definitely the worst part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of just like his machismo, I think it's definitely played. Other than like when he's creepily watching her, I I, I feel like his machismo is of like, no, a, a girl can't handle this. I'm a, I'm a man. I should be able to handle it. It's meant to in, be in counterpoint to a strong New Yorker woman, mm-hmm. you know, so Who's it's very it's, much like, so it's it, self possession yeah, of yeah. skills. And so I, I feel like when we're, when, when he's kind of displaying that kind of behavior, we're meant to f- think what we're thinking now, mm-hmm. you know, I agree with you. And I, I think that, so Paul Hogan is kind of like, he's a man who only exists as this character. You know, it's not like he's has a whole body. He's kind of like earnest, you know, right. He's, Except he's lightning like, Jack, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know and but he does have like different like he's acting you know and he has sort of three different levels it's funny i make dundee i'm from australia this is my character that i play mm-hmm. um so there's that level and then he does have the creepy like male gaze part of that thing and he's like his whole body changes when he's just watching her in that way and then he has the very serious moments where he's like explaining to her what happens when a crocodile grabs you and takes you under and like there's a few like serious moments where he's like matter of fact getting yeah. real um so you know i think he he does act well the part mm-hmm. um and it's like for a man of that sort in this era those are the three shades that you get you know i think the hookers are hilarious i love them they're so sweet and the one's just like i read about him in the paper i've read about him in the paper and the other one's He's, he bumps into the other one several times, um, and then he <laughs> beats up the pimp for saying the F word in front of them. <laughs> and I, uh-huh. I love his line where he's like, I'm sorry, ladies, but if you're going to hang out outside a place like this, this late at night, you're going to hear that kind of talk. Like, <laughs> 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 And he never really gets it. So they don't have hookers, I guess, and Walkabout Creek, I guess. I, they, yeah. I'm, You'd think they would, though. Yeah. Well, I I think he's just because he says he's never even been to a city, mm-hmm. so he really doesn't have a lot of experience. Of he like, only knows those eight people. Yeah, he well, knows he d- Donk and Wally. Well, and the lady I'm, I'm sure Walkabout Creek has a slightly larger population, but he really doesn't know anything over a couple of hundred people. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to see just some some short webisodes about <laughs> the people of Walkabout <laughs> Creek. I want to see a day uh-huh. in the life of Walkabout Creek. Yeah. Um, and I did like that when he's inviting them out, he's like, maybe we could go to a dance. Right. <laughs> that was really fun. Um, what do you think of the weird moment with the towels? Towels, we- Senor Meek. Oh, where she's, yeah, where, where she, the, so, um, Rosarita, 
Mm-hmm. Rosita. Rosita. Sorry. Um, the cleaning lady has come in and, and he's having a conversation with her. And then our heroine. Sue. Re- Sue. She replaces. She pretends to be him. And, and he he's suddenly so modest. He takes his hat and puts it over. <laughs> he's washing his socks in the tub uh-huh. with himself. Right. Which is a thing you do. Is like, it? I suppose. I mean, they don't have washing machines in the Outback. All right. Uh, and then, you know, she takes him out for a day on the town. They go to the Empire State Building. They see people getting a haircut. He he stops a purse snatcher with a can of beans. Mm-hmm. That's like an iconic moment from the movie. Yeah. Then they go to a fancy party. That's the cocaine scene. So, okay, uh, we've got to talk about this 80s party. I love it so much. There, there was kind of like... This is where he's kind of shining as an individual and like everyone around him, like before it's like, oh, he's so weird. He doesn't fit in. And now it's like, he's so weird. He's fitting in or Mm -hmm. he's becoming unique and special. We can see him as a special person, Mm -hmm. you know, other than the cocaine guy who was confused. (laughs) Um, That poor guy. But what I love about this 80s party, so it's like nowadays, it's like, oh my God, we're going to make like a movie with an 80s party. We're going to go so far. These are people in the 80s saying we are going to make the most extreme 80s party we can, and we live in the 80s. So there's so many ridiculous things going on. There's like... You know, just like the 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 slice of of like costumes and outfits and like I love the outfits so much. Sue is wearing a dress that like basically barely buttons at the sides, and there's a lady in an alphabet outfit. Yeah, it's like it has the alphabet on it. it it's like I, I I was watching it and like there's like one line of words where it's supposed to i think supposed to be pop but it's p and then tons of o's mm-hmm. and then p mm-hmm. so it's basically poop <laughs> they spend a lot of time on that outfit yeah and just showing us off all these yeah the scene opens with darling that. i love you it's fabulous it's the upper crust it's like the artists and the um you know the fashionistas the cocaine havers yeah I like her explaining cocaine. She's like, it's a drug. You sniff it. And he's like, why? I don't know. Get a buzz. Okay. Then they go to another fancy party at Daddy's weekend house. Right. The weekend house. (laughs) And apparently her dad is Mr. Burns because at some point he releases the hounds. Yeah. There's just dangerous hounds running the ground. And he, of course, hypnotizes them. Right. And then... Richard proposes to Sue, and everyone is like, yay. Finally. Finally. These two kids who really don't seem to like each other that much are finally going to make it work. They do have a fun moment with the butler, where he's like, call me Mick. Just, Mick? I, why? I never, I never call somebody by a name that just only has four letters. Surely not. Uh, he He calls... He learns someone's in therapy and is like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have made that joke. About insanity. Oh, geez. I'm really putting my foot in it. Which I guess shows that he's learning. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. And then we get to the big finish. Oh, well, so after that moment, he does go on walkabout again in the city. Yeah. So, so it, yeah, it looks like looks like they're getting married. Mm-hmm. He was really just there for her. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And then he decides to go on walkabout, which is basically he wanders the earth until he kind of sorts through whatever change in his life he he wanted to kind of deal with, you know, and which means that he's just going to see America. He gets his ass kicked, though. And Carl <laughs> Winslow, a.k.a. Reginald Vell Johnson, has to save him. Yeah. And I like that moment because it shows that he is not invincible. Mm-hmm. And like maybe at that moment where he is finally vulnerable his defenses are down, and he he's not he can't necessarily beat this city. Yeah, all on his own. Luckily, he's made a million friends along the way. Yeah. Um. But here's my question: Does he have any money? How <laughs> How is he gonna go on walkabout? Oh, he's, you mean these gold doubloons? He's like he can't be like killing and eating animals in the street <laughs> the way he does in the outback. How is he even gonna pay for that subway ride? Yeah, that's a good question. Nobody who wrote the movie asked that question. Yeah, no. Apparently, I mean, he got through the turnstile. Did he, did they give him spending money? Perhaps they they did pay him for his story, and she said she would pay for him to come to New York. But my interpretation was that all that money was going to Wally. Mm-hmm. Maybe he gave him some walking around funds, <laughs> some walkabout money. He's gonna be like Jack Reacher from this point forward, though, just going from city to city, taking odd jobs. Yeah. I would watch that movie, too. Well, I had always said to myself, boy, you know what? I'd watch a movie just like Crocodile Dundee just hanging out with his family at his house or something like that. And then I got that with Crocodile Dundee 3. Two? Three? With the third one, yeah, it was just it just. Well, no, the second one they go to the outback and Sue and his son get kidnapped, or his son gets kidnapped by drug lords. And yeah. then the third one, he goes to Los Angeles. <laughs> no, they live in Los Angeles. Well, they live in. I've never yeah. seen the third. I've just, seen the second one. It's just them hanging around. They deal with some stuff at the zoo, and that's the one they did on How to Disc It Made. Oh, is it? Yeah, probably. Okay, so that's why that was my only exposure to that. But yeah. I have seen the second one many times. Yeah, it's been it's been the a long second time. one is them in the outback. Yeah, and that was a good way to twist it of <laughs> taking it back to the outback. I do love the. And I do love that he's going to go on walkabout. He's in the subway. Mm-hmm. The The cool guy at the door is like, they have that nice exchange where he says a New Yorker phrase and he says an Australian phrase. And then they, he's, they're irresponsibly packed into the subway so deep. So she comes and she's like, there's a, there's a chain of people playing telephone. Yeah. And it's these great kind of New York archetypes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and yeah, it's a super charming ending. It is. Yeah. I love the ending. Yeah. And it, they're all just like, tell him I love him. She loves you. I love you. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's really cute. And then he climbs on all their heads. Yeah, that's problematic. Because you know what? New York loves love. <laughs> New York just loves love. It wants love to win. That's so great. <laughs> I hope that I hope they've held on to that. Oh, yeah. In the last 30 years. I do feel very claustrophobic in that scene. Just like, oh my God, don't let more people come down onto that platform. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the story. I, I do have one little piece of information to share. That I think we should discuss. Um, what do you think of the Danny McBride ad campaign for Australia now that right. sometimes features Chris Hemsworth as he's like the son of Crocodile Dundee? Uh-huh. That would be fun. That's the thing. Did you see it in the Super Bowl ads? I saw the short ones. I mm-hmm. didn't see the extended stuff. It's um, pretty cute. Yeah. I think a lot of people got excited about that. Thinking it was going to be a real thing. Yeah. I love it as a promo for Australia. Mm-hmm. And I do think they could probably make it work. 
It's fun. I would. I mean, I would like to see them follow up on this story and just be like, okay, so how does a modern man deal with the legacy of Crocodile Dundee as mm-hmm. your dad or your yeah, grandpa? Yeah, you, you take the fish out of water and you throw like a city slicker into the outback. Mm-hmm. And how do you live up the, to the quote legend mm-hmm. of it? And also Chris Hemsworth is there sometimes. Yes. For some reason. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Is no, there... that would be fun. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that. Do you have uh, other stuff that you wanted to hit upon? Let's see. Oh, I think I'm good. Okay. Um, here's something I wanted to share. So this is from IMDb's like trivia page. And it says, despite Paul Hogan's insistence that Crocodile Dundee was his own creation, it was later revealed that the real-life inspiration for the character was Bushman Rod Ansel, who became popular in Australia in 77 when his boat capsized during a hunting expedition, and he spent two months trapped in the wilderness. He survived by drinking cow blood, sleeping with snakes, and occasionally fighting and decapitating the odd crocodile. <laughs> Not the even crocodile. <laughs> the odd one. The one who was a little bit different than the rest. Oh, um, I have a bad feeling about this guy. <laughs> uh, during a BBC interview about his adventure, which I guess he was barefoot the whole time, Ansel mentioned that the hotel they put him in was very nice and all, but he decided to sleep on the floor. So this little detail was probably part of what inspired Crocodile Nundee. Um, But Ansel didn't see a cent from the use of his story, and his life and marriage fell apart, and he eventually developed a drug habit, which culminated into a shootout with police officers in which he killed one. Uh, And some say he was driven mad due to exclusion from the success of the Crocodile Dundee movies. Uh, The production company even banned him from starring in his own, or starting his own Crocodile Dundee tour. So Paul Hogan has said he came up with all of this on his own, he made up the character. This guy who has this real life story is like, actually, I'm here. And now I had a thing. And he was just like, according to this, driven so insane that he couldn't even. It's like the guy from the real Kramer from Seinfeld doing Seinfeld tours and being mm-hmm. like, I'm Kramer. I should be allowed to capitalize on this. Let me wet my beak and make a buck off all your success. He's kind of saying don't I deserve a cut of this? You sort of stole my life story and then lied and said you never did. They wouldn't even let him do a Crocodile Dundee tour and then he went crazy and killed someone. It sounds like he put too much emphasis on this thing. He shouldn't really compare himself to other people. (laughs) Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. I'd say that he was probably more screwed up about having to drag himself through the the bush for two months. Well, but can can you imagine that, going through a trauma like that, and then, like, years later seeing, you know, that was 77, this is 86, so, you know, a little less than 10 years later, you're like, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. but that's me. That's my story. (laughs) I slept on the floor of the hotel. I drank all that cow blood. (laughs) I decapitated all those crocodiles. For nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yep, that is pretty sad. Okay, so yay. That's a great way to end the podcast. (laughs) We hit a few speed bumps in this episode. (laughs) What is your deep cut recommendation? Oh, but but, how do you rate it? Like, how would you rate this on a a scale of like one decapitated crocodile? (laughs) Or like... To, a, a to, of... to an odd de- decapitated <laughs> crocodile to an even 10. Or let's say on a scale of knives, from like butter knife to McDundee knife. Right. 
Um, I would rate this pretty high. It's got, you know, it definitely has some some speed bumps in it. Um, and I definitely fa- found it as as it went on to be just a little too episodic, mm. you know, and not mm-hmm. have enough kind of like push. But um, I don't know. I'd I'd put it pretty well. I'd put it like a, as an eight. Hmm. Interesting. I don't think I'm gonna put it. I don't think I would put it that high. I think I'd right. give it like a six. Where whereas it'd be like, yeah, sure, go back and watch this. Yeah. It's fun, but I'm not gonna like pop it in as as often as yeah. I'm gonna pop in like a like a Three Amigos and be like, come family, gather, yeah. gather, let's. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Like any time. I I definitely found this to be, I guess. <laughs> In terms of offensive factor, I found it to be less offensive than like scenes of like from vacation mm-hmm. or even airplane. A- airplane. Yeah. It, I felt like it held up better than than those movies. All right, what's your deep cut recommendation? Okay, so mine is a documentary Ooh. about um, Oz exploitation. Oh, yeah. It's, so it's called Not Quite Hollywood. Um, it was on Netflix for a while. Um, I'm not sure where it lives right now, but it's kind of about the Australian film industry around the 70s and 80s, which is kind of where this is kind of coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely kind of in uh, uh, asterisk. I think there's a crap load of nudity in this documentary, especially, oh, yeah? in, the, especially in the beginning. Um, but it definitely kind of covers the more salacious um kind of like grindhouse style industry that was kind of australian film industry for a while um and then kind of the best of that batch being mad max you know? oh yes but it took a while until like the australian um film industry kind of found credibility or kind of found its feet it's a lot of craziness that sounds interesting i'll not, have to check that out not quite hollywood cool uh, I'm going to recommend a series on, I think, Netflix as well, called 72 Cutest Animals. <laughs> because some of them are from the Australian Outback. Oh, wow. Like koalas and wallabies and really, really, like, the cute ones. The ones that McDundee didn't murder in this movie. But I recommend it in the circumstances of, like, um, you know, of course, my kids watch it. Uh, and and enjoy it but it is a great tool for adults if you are the sort of person who needs to have a little background noise Mm. happening while you fall asleep so that you don't have to be alone with your own thoughts or you're doing taxes like today Uh, yeah doing taxes whatever it is it's great background noise and i find that it's something really pleasant to fall asleep to because you don't want to fall asleep watching criminal minds just take it from me (laughs) you don't want to fall asleep watching mind hunter it's not good for you Um, but this is something that you can put on you look at cute animals you hear their stories you see them ranked from cute on cuteness levels like one through 72 there's a lot of cuteness here and then they vote the other animals off the island they get the fuck off of that island you're out of australia we don't want you here anymore wallaby you're number 68 it's time for you to go top 50 only um so yeah that's so that's my deep cut recommendation that's that's everything i guess so be sure to join us next time on a most excellent '80s movie podcast when we are watching Overboard Ooh. from 1987. Finally, and we... I've been getting Kurt Russell withdrawal. Ugh, I just need. Have you seen the trailer for the new movie? 
I have seen the trailer for the new movie. Okay, we shall discuss. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go see it. Okay. So this is kind of like we've moved away from going year by year, and we're just do it sort of doing like little capsule episodes. So this was two where like you just picked a favorite and I picked a favorite. Mm-hmm. So Overboard is our next movie. Uh, of course, you can find us online at mostexcellentpod.com. Join the Most Excellent Facebook group. Find us on Instagram at Most Excellent Pod. Uh, and you know, do all that podcast stuff. Like, rate, review, thumbs up, share, tell people about it. We we need that support. We appreciate that support. Review it, something like that. Uh, you can always find Nathan at. I'm at uh, Squishy Studios across the Instagrams and Facebooks and Twitters, uh, and then my web series Voyage Trekkers. Right now, we've got a half hour. Um, I guess you'd call it a TV pilot or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, basically a half hour episode that we're taking to film festivals right now so if you want to learn more about that that's on our facebook and you should watch it it's really good i love it uh and you can find me at nctphoenix.com across all of the everything uh and and if you're in the phoenix area you can literally find me at nct phoenix uh whenever i say that i'm like someday someone is going to be like I, I have you tracked podcast. you down. <laughs> I'm not going to murder you. And I'll be like, well, that's great. Finally, success. Finally, you, someone's prefaced with that. <laughs> uh, and then remember, uh, as always, on a most excellent 80s movie podcast, be excellent to each other. And good, good day. Night. Mate. <laughs> I say good day and you say good night. <laughs> right. Keep it. Yes. <laughs> Keep it.